everyone. You're listening to The Star's Turn, Cosmos and Cards. I'm your host, Jay. Thank you so much for being here with me for another episode of the show. It's lovely to have you here. I hope you're cozy and comfortable or, you know, maybe you're out and about while listening to this and I hope you're I hope you're still cozy and comfortable, especially if you're in the Northern Hemisphere. It's cold. So if you're outside, I hope you're bundled and, and enjoying it. Maybe it's sunny. Anyways, no less awkward than every other month, but here we are. <laughs> I hope that Aquarius season has been, you know, good for you and an interesting time of reflection. It certainly has been for me. It's kind of felt like a bit of a continuation of Capricorn season just in terms of mood and energy and movement. It definitely has a bit of a diff or it's had a bit of a different vibe in terms of endings. Like I definitely feel that there is some sort of threshold that we are all crossing through. And of course, that's, I mean, I've been spending so much time thinking about Saturn moving into Pisces and Pluto moving into Aquarius and Mars finally leaving uh, Gemini, which are all sort of March activities. But looking ahead to that stuff and yeah, Aquarius season has definitely felt quiet, but in a real like, oh, this is this is kind of ending and we're saying goodbye and you know we're not coming back to this energy because of course next year in Aquarius season, the planetary lineup will be so different than it has been for the past couple of years. So anyways, I hope it's been good for you. We are now going to shift gears and talk about Pisces season. I love Pisces season. It might have something to do with the fact that it's my fifth house. Fifth house. I mean, if you haven't listened to the episode on the houses, go back and check that out to, you know, hear more about what what the goodness of the fifth house might be. That's actually also where the degree of my IC is. And so I feel like the fifth house has this added like homey type energy for me. So anyways, and it's a water sign. So, you know, big surprise that I love water sign energy being, you know, the double Scorpio plus a, a cancer moon. But yeah, Pisces season, it's it's such a gooey, sloshy season in the Northern Hemisphere, right? But sometimes it can bring a bit of that early spring and it kind of gets me out of the winter funk. That's another reason I think I like it. And of course, it can also be a very cold time of year, reminding me that winter is not over yet. But that's totally par for the course with Pisces mutable quality, which we'll talk more about soon. But first, let's check in on what's happening for Pisces season 2023. So Pisces season will run from February 18th until March 20th, 2023. We will have our Pisces new moon, of course, which we'll also talk about in this episode. We'll get a Virgo full moon on March 7th. Venus will move into Aries on the same day as the new moon, February 20th. And then after that, we do have a couple of major aspects, but then for the like last six days of February, there's no major aspects happening. So the moon will be moving around and doing its thing, of course, but nothing happening with any of the planets. So it does feel like a little bit of a calm before the storm because March is such a big month in terms of movement. Uh, 
you know, first of all, we have Mercury moving into Pisces on March 2nd, which will really amplify whatever the sun is up to. You know, Mercury acts as kind of a megaphone for the planet. So it's always helping to kind of bring any planet's message really much more into focus, into the forefront. And Pisces is a tricky spot for Mercury to be in. It's in its detriment and in its fall, actually, both things. But I don't know. Mercury in Pisces is like the it's the realm of poetry and dance. And I think it's still a beautiful placement. We just have to figure out how to communicate differently. You know, Mercury can't be logical in Pisces. So we just have to um, be creative. And actually, just before Mercury moves into Pisces, it will make its final conjunction with Saturn in Aquarius. And then you know, Saturn will move into Pisces on March 7th. And this is a big deal. This is kind of the big deal of Pisces season. It's one of the big deals of 2023 in general. And I actually have a really in-depth digital download, like a PDF plus an audio file that's all about Saturn's transit through Pisces. And I go through what Saturn means, what Pisces means, what the two energies combining might look like for us. I give horoscopes for every single rising sign. I talk about the minor arcana cards that correspond with Pisces. It's got key dates for the entire transit. Uh, I talk a little bit about what Jupiter's influence might be because, of course, Jupiter rules Pisces, so it'll have an influence on Saturn's time there. It's really jam-packed, and it's got so much goodness. And the PDF itself is only $10. If you want to get the PDF plus the audio file, that's only $13. And you can also get a discount on that for a limited time if you sign up for my newsletter, which there will be a link to in the show notes. If you're already signed up, you're going to get the discount. Don't worry about that. Uh, But sign up before February 22nd because that's when the offering is going to become available And yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's kind of my first big offering uh, on my website. And I poured a lot of my heart and soul into it. I had a lot of fun thinking about what this transit is going to bring. And so, yeah, I'd love for people to check it out and hopefully get something from it. And I will talk about Saturn and Pisces on the show. I mean, probably not right away and not as in-depth up front, but I'm sure, you know, throughout the year and years, there will be plenty to say about it. But that's where all the info is going to be for now. So make sure you check out my website, jasminesastrology.com, and definitely sign up for the newsletter. All right. But moving on, we also have Venus moving into Taurus on March 16th. So yes, she does move into Aries in late February, and then, you know, less than a month later, already moving into Taurus. So Venus is moving at quite a clip right now. We will have Mercury moving into Aries on March 19th. So Mercury also moving at quite a pace, quite a fast pace, I should say. I guess things move at a pace. (laughs) But yeah, things are really moving again, you know, especially when we get to the final week of Pisces season. And it's so interesting because we have a six-day period at the end of Pisces season with nine major aspects and two planets changing signs. So 
it's just kind of wild because we had that six-day period in February with nothing really going on. And then you bookend that with the end of Pisces season and there's so much happening. And in fact, like six of those nine aspects occur over the course of two days. So it's going to be so interesting to see what the energy is like around that time. And I'll talk more about it either here or on my blog. So again, make sure you're signed up to the newsletter because I always send out a post or I always send out a letter when I've got a new post up there. So that said, there's still definitely a softer go with the flow quality to Pisces. You know, the sun is leaving a Saturn ruled sign where it was co-present with Saturn and into a Jupiter ruled sign where it's co-present with Neptune. So things feel a lot dreamier, a lot more optimistic, a little more like rose colored glasses kind of energy. So with Pisces season, it's often the case that we'll have like, you know, periods of moving forward with a lot of momentum and then times when moving slower and resting will be what we need to sink into. And again, that's kind of that mutable quality. Pisces really ebbs and flows in that way. So let's talk about Pisces energy in general. And I already mentioned that it's a water sign. So we know that this is a season with a certain sense of depth. We're in the body and in the feelings. We're motivated by mood and emotions and things are a little more sensitive and intuitive. You know, we're shifting from an air sign, Aquarius, which had us a little more in the mind and mental spaces and where communication and interaction and sharing ideas was motivating us. But now we're a little more internal and we're wanting to share more lived experiences. And so again, Pisces is also a mutable sign, which means it's sh- it shifts us from one season to the next. And this is kind of what I meant by, you know, some days can feel like spring while others feel much more like winter. Pisces holds both of those seasons, which would, you know, for our Southern Hemisphere friends be summer and fall. So Pisces holds two seasons and helps us to begin the transition between them. And so in Pisces season, you know, we we might be feeling very spring-like one day and a little colder and more like winter the next. Our moods can really shift. Uh, That's where that idea of, you know, sometimes we'll be moving forward with a lot of momentum, but other times we'll need to prioritize rest and slowing down. And that kind of shifting can be comfortable for some and very frustrating for others. You know, it depends on your mode of movement in general. Pisces is very fluid and flexible, so there's a lot of flow, but that also means things are a lot more spiralic and circular. It's not super linear. We might start one thing, but then get sidetracked by another, and then by the end of the day, we're doing a completely different thing, but then we eventually go back to that first thing, and you might find that that's actually par for the course a little bit right now depending on how important Mars is for you, because Mars has been in Gemini, another mutable sign since August of 2022. And that's been making, I mean, I know for myself as a Scorpio rising, so having Mars being the ruling planet of my ascendant, but for other people that have, you know, significant Gemini placements, or um, maybe Mars is your time lord for the year. But 
that has already made things feel a little uh, scattered in that way. And so Pisces season is just kind of coming in and bringing us even more of that. But it might be more in the realm of our moods and our emotions. But mutable energy really craves that variety and that flexibility. Like it's always looking for some kind of new input or new experiences because that's at least where Pisces is concerned. That's what's really feeding the soul. Um, For Gemini, you know, that's what's feeding that curious mind. But in Pisces, it's like these new experiences, these new connections, these new feelings is what's really like nourishing us deep down. So both benefic planets have dignity in Pisces. It's a Jupiter-ruled sign, and it's where Venus has her exaltation. So there's something really abundant and fertile and like ooey gooey, good times, good vibes about Pisces energy. It's growth and boundlessness, which can be overwhelming at times for sure. Pisces is like the ocean, you know, in that it is like seemingly endless with no limits or borders or anything to contain it, which is fantastic for considering the possibilities of something. But really challenging when you need to have boundaries and not, you know, like get flooded by everything. Um, And here's just a little excerpt from that Saturn and Pisces offering I was talking about where I describe Pisces energy. So when I think about Pisces, my mind conjures images of the ocean and its waves, of a modern dancer in flowing fabrics undulating across a stage. I think of the realm of dreams and all its wondrous vastness. I feel a sense of untold possibility and abundant hope. It's all very romantic and buoyant, but it's not the full story. Those waves have the power to flood, the dancer the power to lose control, dreams the power to consume. Such is the nature of this mutable or double-bodied water sign. It ebbs and flows, soothes and numbs, bathes and saturates. So hopefully that's given you a pretty good idea of the energy of Pisces. And of course, you'll want to look to where Pisces is in your chart to see where that energy maybe is for you typically, but also how like where, you know, the sun is going to bring its warmth for the season ahead. All right. So now we're going to talk about the moon, uh, the tarot card, the moon, which is what corresponds with Pisces. And this can be so confusing at first, like, uh, okay, wait, why doesn't the moon card go with the actual moon? Like the sun card goes with the sun. I don't know. Maybe that doesn't grind people's gears as much as it grinds mine. I mean, it's less and less every day, but it used to like really irritate me just for the, the sheer fact of like, it's called the moon. Put it with the moon. What are we doing here? But I don't know. I think I... I think I am growing to love it, to be honest. It's one of the associations that I do think works pretty well in terms of, you know, corresponding tarot to astrology. Both Pisces and the moon have this vastness to them, this sort of enveloping nature. And I think there's something wild about both of these energies and maybe even a little unsettling, like that deep dark spot in the ocean that's so unknown and just uncharted territory, which 
means it's full of potential, but also just kind of avoid space. And it can be scary to think like, yeah, anything could be there. There's a real duality to the whole thing, a mutability, again, with the moon card. There's also a real sense of not knowing and going with the flow, which isn't always valued in our culture, like knowledge is power and all of that, which is true, right? But I don't know. I think it takes real guts to not know and be okay with not knowing. And I think there's some invitations within the moon card to learn to be okay with the not knowing, to learn to embrace a bit of confusion. Now, in Tarot for Change, everybody drink. Jessica Dore says that when we decide we know something for certain, we essentially put up a wall blocking any other ideas and notions, anything that would challenge that knowing from coming into view, which essentially stops us from growing, right? So maybe the scariest part of the moon card is like that deep awareness that because things are unknown or unfamiliar or confusing, we're going to have to break out of our habitual thinking patterns and find new ways to approach life. We can't move the same way at night that we do during the day. And so that challenge of having to work around that and be creative and find alternate pathways and stuff, I think can be pretty daunting. You know, not having clarity isn't always fun. Now, a number of years back, I wrote this poem type thing. I don't really know what to call it, but it was about the moon card. And I think it was me at a time of like trying to understand (laughs) because I pulled the moon card a lot, which totally makes sense looking back. Uh, But I think this was a way of me kind of connecting in with the card. And so I thought I would read it to all of you now. The moon is calling. Will you accept its invitation? Are you ready to build trust with darkness, to find peace with your shadow, to get comfortable in the uncomfortable? Here's your chance to relax into the void. Don't just dip your toes, dive in. Plunge into the depths of your being. What do you see? What do you feel? What do you just know? Forget about direction. You can only swim the right way here. This journey is a spiral. Lose yourself in its curves. Lose yourself in the act of being. Let the tides of unknowing carry you. It's scary at first. You can't see in the dark. A new awareness must be learned. Take a breath and descend deeper. You can do this. The moon wouldn't have invited you otherwise. Your inner ocean is vast. It's at once all-consuming and greatly liberating. It's enormity both frightening and empowering. Let the space embrace you. Embrace the space. Let the moon open you up. Relax into the void. This is a wilding. This is a reconnecting with your inner moon. This is a learning to live in tune with the cycle of the skies, with the cycle of your very being. Let it all wash over you and sink deeper. It's been silent for some time. Silent for enough time that silence has developed its own sound. There are messages in the silence, messages that flow freely towards and through you. You've opened to their presence. They come in shapes and colors, patterns and symbols. They aren't bound by logic. They belong to the heart and soul. You know the truth of the moon's transmissions because they're yours too. 
silence, void, knowing, relax. Something clicks. Something changes. Something shifts from deep within you. A hand appears in yours and begins to pull you up, up towards the light, up towards illumination. The light reveals it was your hand guiding you during ascension. You didn't need rescuing. You were there for yourself all along. You thank the darkness. You bow to the profound experience it offered. You know you'll be back one day, but no journey through the moon looks quite like the last. You know now that while it may be the darkest, it's not the hardest. You know now that without it, the sun could never shine as bright, that clarity would never feel so right. A little too rhymy there at the end for my personal taste uh, nowadays, but you know, hopefully you enjoyed that. Hopefully it provided you with some extra insight into the moon card and into its connection with Pisces season. Let's talk about the Pisces new moon, which is happening at one degree of Pisces on February 20th. This is a pretty good new moon in terms of setting intentions and doing regular rituals. It's not an eclipse. There are no hard aspects from Saturn and Mars. There's nothing too sweet from the benefic planets either. Uh, Venus is still in Pisces, though it's pretty far away from the moon at the time of the new moon. And it is ruled by Jupiter, of course. And the one thing I guess that's not super great is that, you know, there's no sight between the signs of Pisces and Aries. And of course, Jupiter, the ruler of Pisces, is currently in Aries. So in terms of ruling over this lunation, it's not as functional as we might like it to be. However, because the new moon involves the sun, of course, a new moon is any time the sun and the moon are in a conjunction, there is a nice bit of reception in terms of the sun is in Jupiter's home of Pisces. And Jupiter is in the place of the sun's exaltation in Aries. So there's something there with the two planets. Even though they can't see each other, there is some kind of easy relationship, I guess I would say. So it's not, it, they're still in aversion, but it's maybe not as, not as like challenging as a typical case of aversion. So I think it's still a great new moon for new beginnings and fresh starts and all of that really classical new moon type stuff. And, you know, with Jupiter and Aries, there is an infusion of like kind of grandiose and ambitious qualities. It's a very active and enthusiastic and motivating energy. We're taking a risk for a new adventure. We're being bold in our new beginnings. There's a real independent spirit permeating everything. And, you know, maybe you're like ready to go your own way in a spiritual practice, combining that sort of like entrepreneurial quality with the mystical side of Pisces. So, you know, you maybe you're like, oh, I have always wanted to lead a new moon circle. And, you know, this month is now's the time. And yeah, like I said, there's definitely that sort of reception happening between the planets. So they're playing nicely with each other. Now, in general, a new moon in Pisces is really great for, you know, like I said, there's a mystical side to Pisces, right? So it's great for meditation and tapping into dreams and tuning into these sort of subtle senses because Pisces isn't exactly a realm of straightforward communication. It really is more about 
body language and like those gut feelings that you get. So it's great for cultivating a deeper connection with spirit or the universe or your inner wisdom or whatever you want to call it, however you connect in with something, you know, outside of yourself in that way. I am curious to see what happens when Saturn moves into Pisces and hits the one degree mark, which is where this new moon is happening at one degree of Pisces. It's my guess that there will be some kind of solidifying quality because Saturn, you know, brings in that idea of boundaries and walls and making things tangible. So all of these dreams and hopes that we have at the new moon might somehow become more serious and tangible once Saturn reaches that degree. And we could probably think about this in terms of Pisces season in general, you know, like that the sun moving through Pisces just before Saturn comes in is kind of creating a pathway for Saturn. So if we're really intentional with where we allow that light to shine both during the new moon and during Pisces season, then maybe we're making a really clear pathway for Saturn to come in and help us start making certain dreams into a reality, helping us, you know, put 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 a structure around things. It's great to dream and have the visions, but you need to take the action to put it into place. And, you know, maybe it also, Saturn also provides reality checks. Like Saturn kind of says like, here's the cold, hard truth of life. So it might come in and also say like, eh, that dream is not necessarily going to be a reality right now. Here's what you can do, but that's out of the question, I think. You know, that's always possible with Saturn as well. It also creates walls and boundaries, which can be super helpful when you need a structured pathway in order to accomplish something, but it can also, you know, cut you off from doing something as well. But Saturn's not like a big meanie. It's just like, it's just what's real. It's just very pragmatic and like, this is what it is, you know? But I guess we're going to start finding out soon. Like it's Saturn moving into Pisces is so close. It's wild. Now, the card that corresponds with the Deccan of Pisces where this new moon is happening, which would be the first Deccan of Pisces, is the Eight of Cups. And this is one of the cards that I talk about in that Saturn and Pisces offering. So I'm not going to say too much about it here. And I thought instead we could talk about all of the cards that would kind of um, associate with Pisces. Well, I'm I'm going to mention them and say like what we might be able to do with them in our practice. So you know, the Eight of Cups for this Deccan of Pisces, but also the King of Cups and the Page of Cups. And then, of course, the High Priestess, which corresponds with the moon, and the moon, which corresponds with Pisces. And then you could even throw uh, the Wheel of Fortune into the mix because that's uh, what corresponds with Jupiter. So what I mean is, you know, you could pull out all of these cards and really any other card that feels Piscean to you, take that out of the deck and, you know, maybe you just sit with each of these cards and see what's coming through, you know, whether it's on the new moon or in these sort of first 10 days of Pisces season while the sun is moving through that first decan, sitting with it, seeing what sort of messages are coming through from the cards. I mean, maybe you pull each of those cards out or whichever ones you're vibing with and then 
pull an additional card for each of those cards. So what I mean is like, let's say you have the eight of cups out and then you shuffle up and pull out a card in terms of like almost like a clarifier for the eight of cups, but kind of asking like, all right, so what is like, this is what the eight of cups means to me, but what are some additional messages that the card might have for me during Pisces season? You know, sometimes I, I'll pull a card and journal about it a little bit, and then a question will come up kind of about the card itself. And so then I'll pull another card to get kind of another layer in the reading. So you could try that with, you know, some very Pisces-based or Pisces corresponding cards. So let me know what you try. I would love to know if you work with any of these cards and what they bring up for you or what you noticed. And let me know how you're celebrating the new moon. And if you're looking as forward to Pisces season as I am, do you love it as much as I do? I don't know. I'm always so curious to see like what the different, um, elemental makeup that people have in their chart like does that make them really drawn towards their own particular element that they have so much of or do they you know seek out something that's quote-unquote missing from their chart I'm always curious about that so you can still find me on Instagram Uh, at the time of recording this I'm still taking a break but you can still come and find me at the star's turn I think the better way to get in touch right now would be to send me an email. You can send that to j at jasminesastrology.com. I'm so open to hearing from you on your Pisces season and new moon updates or even your Aquarius season updates. And definitely sign up for the newsletter to stay in touch with what I'm putting out there because as I said, as of right now, there's not a lot of activity on Instagram. I don't know. That's probably not forever, but that is what it is right now. So yeah, thank you so much for listening, everyone. It's, I'm always very honored to be in your ear holes, as I say, and it is possible I won't be back until Aries season. There's some stuff that I really want to get done behind the scenes, but I may find time for an early March episode, so I don't want to totally rule it out, but I wanted to put that out there just in case I'm not back until Aries season, but Either way, I will be posting on the blog and sending out newsletters and definitely sign up before February 22nd if you want that discount code for the Saturn and Pisces offering. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. Until we meet again, I'll catch you in the cosmos. 